Hey, before we launch into Christmas, we've got one more Sunday to talk about the power of praise. And uh, it's not even December yet, right? So there's no rush. We've got weeks and weeks and weeks before we celebrate the birth of our Savior. And so what I want to do is, is kind of flip what we talked about last week over and look at another side of uh, the power of worship and praise. And uh, one of the things we did last week is we looked at a um, very popular movie. is a kind of a window into our culture. You know, the movie was The Greatest Showman. And uh, showed you a little clip of a whole bunch of freaky people. And they were, you know, intentionally made up to look like freaks because uh, the song that they sung had to do with the fact that no matter how weird they might look to the normal people out there, um, they felt empowered to say, hey, I'm just as good as everybody else. I'm acceptable. I'm me. I'm worth loving, and I deserve kindness and all those kind of things. And so I really wanted to emphasize just the goodness of God, that we worship God because we too were fearfully and wonderfully made, right? How many of you were not here last Sunday? Raise your hand if you were not here last Sunday. Okay, cool. Well, um, one of the things we have to recognize is we don't just worship God because he's good and kind and wonderful and everything else. We worship him as the central assignment of our humanity. Um, we don't just add worship and praise onto our, tack it onto our life like we're going to add broccoli to our diet so we can be more healthy or we're going to add you know, a few more steps every day so we can be a little bit more fit or we're going to you know, add a few more Christian songs to our playlist. Worshiping God is not a side issue. It's not a side dish. It needs to be central to who we are. And so this morning, I want to I actually take another risk. But before I do, let me show you this verse that I, I just love. God does see our needs and our weaknesses. That's an established fact. You know, when Jesus came, he saw the crowds, and it says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that was kind of our, our focus last week is, you know, we too are harassed and helpless, and we just need to know we have a God in heaven who loves us. And Jesus affirmed that. He, he recognizes that need. But the reason crowds of people like this feel helpless and hopeless and unshepherded is because we too, if we forget whose we are, then we will never know who we are. Our identity has to be found in whose we are. It's not something we get to establish ourselves. Can I hear an amen? amen. Yeah, we don't worship God just because he's good to us and just because he's nice and he, he knows me and accepts me and loves me and blah, 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 blah. We worship him because he is the only reference point for finding out who I am. Yes, he did weave us in our mother's womb, and we were fearfully and wonderfully made. But if we stop there and don't continuously say, God, you are awesome. You are the center of the universe. You are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. You are the creator, the author, and the finisher of my faith. You are the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. There is no one besides you worthy of my praise. That centrality that God has to plan our lives is where we establish our confidence. That's where we begin to feel like, oh, I, I am somebody because he is somebody. And he is my reference point, and he is my everything. There's a little paragraph in the book of Romans that we've looked at many, many times where um, Paul says, because those who 
did not follow Christ, did not worship God, he gave them over to their own pursuits and their own desires and their own designs. And as that paragraph progresses, you see this downward spiral. Because they did not give thanks in their heart and did not acknowledge him as God, they became less and less and less and less like they were designed to be. They began worshiping creatures instead of the creator. Okay, you've heard of that. You're familiar with that. One of the um, interesting windows into our culture that we saw on that video was the fact that the entire song was about me. is I, me, I, me, I, me, I, me. And it's kind of, you know, it's sort of a celebration. It's kind of like, yeah, hurrah, we applaud you. You're being bold. You're being brave, even though you're bruised, and that's awesome. But it's still just you defining you. And there, there really is never, ever going to be a security in that no matter how confident we might try to portray ourselves. What I want to do is I'm going to show the video again. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to do something twice in a row. And I just want to let you know ahead of time, little warning, it's a little sketchy in spots. These people are freaky looking. You'll see an albino, a bearded woman. You'll see conjoined twins, really tall man, really short guy, dwarf. And uh, there's a couple of, you know, flashes of flesh that I wish weren't in there, but I think they're quick enough that they're going to get right by you. But I want to take one more look at it. I want to talk about this thing from the opposite angle today. Okay, so can we hit the lights and the sound, and I'll give it a, a start. I am not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I learned to be ashamed of all my scars Run away, they say No one will love you as you are But I won't let them break me down to dust I know that there's a place for us For we are glorious When the sharpest words want to cut me down I'm gonna send a blood, gonna drown a mound. I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, cause here I come. And I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me.
gonna send a bug, gonna drown a mouth. This is brave, this is bruised, this is who I meant to be. This is me. Look out, you see your Last week when I showed that, I said, what did you see in the film and what did you notice? What were the declarations people were making? And there were some you know, pretty cool positive things. Hey, I'm bruised and I'm brave and I can still be, be human and be accepted out there. And then I asked this question and I didn't get as much of a response as I thought. I said, what's wrong with that theologically? Said so Clint. Yeah, God is not in there. He's nowhere to be found. He's nowhere to be found. What happens when people take God out of our lives? Where is our reference point? It's us. We're it. We're the logical next explanation. What did I write down? We can't center our lives around I and me. We simply cannot. When we begin to think, I have to find myself and I have to identify myself and I have the privilege of identifying who or what I want to be, that's when we absolutely lose ourselves. You know, you've heard the phrase, uh, we are masters of our own fate. And uh, that's what this song is about. And that's what a lot of people in our world believe. We get to choose. In fact, there's a, there's a new phrase out there, become very popular. It's um, response to a question. Um, so how do you identify? Well, I identify as gay. I identify as straight. Or I identify as both. I mean, that sounds so logical, but... It's absolutely untrue and absolutely dangerous, as you know. But a lot of times people don't walk through the, the logical steps that have to take place. The minute we eliminate a creator, then the only logical place to go is within. And so one of the reasons Christians need to continuously be putting their eyes toward heaven and saying, God, you're wonderful. God, you're so great. God, thank you so much. Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. Lord, 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 everything to me. Not necessarily having to sing all day long at work. You're going to drive your coworkers crazy. It doesn't mean you've got to verbalize everything every minute of every day, but it's at least got to be in our hearts and our minds. Amen? Why is that? Because it continues to remind us who we really are in Christ, who we really are in Christ. Made in his image, forgiven, pure because of the blood of the lamb, broken and sinful. But when we confess our sins, we, he is faithful and just to forgive us. So the, this attitude of worship has to be continuous in our lives. I believe when Paul said, I pray without ceasing, it didn't necessarily mean he was on his knees 24-7, 365. It just meant his attitude, his attention was skyward on a continuous basis, whether in verbal prayer or praise or thanksgiving or just declaring good stuff about our maker. One of the things that Proverbs is really good at is reminding us what happens when we don't worship God. Proverbs 29, 23 says, Pride lands you flat on your face. Humility prepares you for honors. Humility is not always groveling and saying, oh, I'm so broken and so messed up and so bruised. Humility is simply declaring what's true. 
Apart from Jesus, I got nothing going for me. He is my everything. That's humility because it's putting the credit where it belongs. The second one, Proverbs 15.33. Fear of God is a school in skilled living. First you learn humility, then you experience glory. Having a consistent worship frame of mind at all times is what brings glory. It helps us to stay in a spirit of humility. It helps keep pride out of our lives. And we actually become the people that God has created us to be. There's another phrase that's very popular nowadays, self-determination. Do you know it determines absolutely nothing? That's just a fact. No matter how secure People can begin to feel about themselves. They might even have made a decision to go a certain direction in their life and had some pretty decent success. They might turn around and go, hey, it's working. There's a neighborhood party across the street uh, some of our friends were having not too long ago, and uh, there's a sign on the door. It's kind of like the, this is the name of the party, you know, kind of like Halloween or Thanksgiving, except in this case, it was, um, trying to think of the term, it was... Um, Non-binary worldview, welcome. And we thought, what is that? Non-binary worldview, what is that? And I realized, we looked it up actually, God has designed creation in a binary system. All living things require someone of the opposite gender or an animal of the opposite gender in order to procreate. And what this group of folks, and some of them are our friends, wanted to establish was that that's not actually how the universe runs. It's not a binary system. You can be whatever you want, and you can be right in the middle. You could, there could be a third gender. There could be a fifth gender. And you see how crazy things can get if we begin to take God out of the picture. still love my friends. just spoke with one of them yesterday, and uh, they're actually nice people. They're good neighbors. But the problem, when we begin to determine our own identity, suddenly everything is open. I could identify as a frog. That's right. That's my reality. I could identify as a tiger or a... The scary thing is, hold your horses. Scary thing is some people are identifying as pedophiles. Yep, that's what I am. You've got to accept me. This is me. And so you and I have to recognize, okay, we don't believe that. We're not going there. That's so radical. It's crazy, and I'm just too smart and mature to, to know anything about it. But guess what? Our flesh will continually want to take God out of our lives and put us back in charge. That never ends. I don't care how old or mature we are in Christ. The flesh will always want to rise up and reverse order. So that's why this active, continuous worshiping of God has to be going. Judges 17.6, love this verse. It's repeated over and over and over and over in the book of Judges. One judge rises up, Another one falls, a king rises up, another one falls, another judge rises up, another one falls. And over and over and over again, the Bible says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. As we wrap up this uh, Thanksgiving weekend, again, I'm not wanting this to be like a holiday. It's kind of like saying Christmas is the season for giving. No, that should be a lifestyle, right? Thanksgiving should be a lifestyle year-round. And so what I want us to, to commit to do, and not only for our own lives, but to, to train up our children, our grandchildren, to be thankful, to acknowledge God, their maker, to capture their identity in him. Look, at God made you a beautiful little girl. And you know what? If you love Jesus, you can become just like Jesus. 
And you can actually behave like him because God designed you that way and he said he will do whatever it takes to help you get there. That's your identity. The funny thing about human beings is um, we have the capacity to determine direction in our lives. Nothing else in creation can actually choose which way and how they want to live. All dogs are going to act like dogs all the time. Non-living things, they're, they're predetermined. Rocks will always be rocks. They don't have a choice in that. That's all predetermined. Trees, they might be able to have baby trees, but that's been predetermined. They don't get to make Tootsie Rolls or popsicles. They're going to reproduce trees. That's it, predetermined. The funny thing about man is because we can choose our own way, the lie of Satan is you should, therefore, because you can. You have the capability to see, to think, to imagine, to experiment, to try anything you want. And the same lie that the devil told Adam and Eve is the one he wants to tell us over and over again today. You get to determine yourself. Because we, we aren't forced like a rock to be a rock for the rest of our lives. God gives us free will. And so the scary thing is we have the, the freedom and the ability and the power to actually try to be something that we were not designed to be. Men can pretend to be women. Women can pretend to be men. So worshiping God and saying, no, my creator is the one who designed me. My creator is the one who gets to set the parameters for how to live my life and how to, how to behave and how to set my particular goals in life and, and what he designed me to do. A life centered around God as creator is what is going to help us stay on track and not waffle back and forth, you know, who am I again? What am I again? What, I, what should I be doing? And that amounts, from being, uh, amounts to everything from gender decisions as well as whether or not I feel like a failure today. Just because I feel like a failure doesn't mean I am a failure, right? Because that's not the way God sees me. Worshiping God has um, got to be central to our life. There's one more complication that we have to face and realize, and that's um, we are being barraged by the realities of a broken world. We are all bruised. We all have deformities of some kind. We have bodies that don't operate properly. Our parents may not be our favorite thing to look at in the mirror. There might be all kinds of things going on in our minds and in our emotions. Maybe, um, maybe we have speech impediments. There's all, we're just being barraged with the reality of this broken world, this imperfection. And so it's easy to begin to buy into the enemy's lie that, um, you know what? I am either horrible or I can't trust God because he didn't do a very good job. Look what he allowed to happen. And so therefore I can't go his way anymore. I'm going to go a different direction and determine my own destiny, be captain of my own fate. But the minute we do that, it's kind of like a, a planet spinning out of orbit. I was doing a little research this week, and I, I love the fact that the sun, the center of our solar system, has such powerful gravitational forces that even the most distant planet, if you want to still call Pluto a planet, is kept in its orderly orbit around the sun because of the power and the centrality of that one star that we know as the sun. Isn't that amazing to you? Now, could you imagine if one of those planets went out of orbit and started getting out of control and just started finding its own way and just going wildly crazy and just all over the place? You know what they call those? Those are called meteorites. 
That's what meteorites would do. They are <clears throat> chunks of rock that are orbiting throughout the solar system that eventually lose their way and they become, come crashing toward the Earth and most of them burn up before they hit the ground. They, we call them shooting stars. The atmosphere burns them up. But there have been several occasions where gigantic meteors have landed on the Earth and you can see their the indentation just miles across. There's one right down in Arizona. It's just huge. And I think the Bible's trying to keep us in mind that the minute we start losing God as the center of our lives, we become people out of orbit. And like a wild, out-of-control meteorite, the best we can hope for is destruction. For others, for ourselves, anybody that gets in our way. So one of those fears that... Um, People have in the back of their minds, oh, someday the meteorite shower, the meteor shower, something's going to break loose. We've got a comet heading right to Earth. Have you heard that, right? That will be the end of Earth as we know it. I don't know if that's the way it's going to happen. I mean, the Bible does say that uh, the Earth will end in a way that all the elements melt and sounds like nuclear holocaust or meteorite or something like that to me. But the one thing we do know is destruction is its end. And so... We need to understand that God has to be the center of our world. It can't be our job. It can't be our parents. It can't be our children. It can't be our spouse. It has to be God. What does he say? What does he think? What does he want? What is he after in my life? If God exists and is the one unchanging constant, then he must be reckoned with. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile, and that's really the only outcome that humans can have is when there is no God in my life, then I'm just going to gravitate toward the lowest common denominator, which is to just kind of satisfy and indulge my desires in my flesh. So this morning, I know this is review for some of us, but uh, it might be a fresh angle at looking at praise and worship we praise and worship on Sunday morning as a discipline, as much as a feeling. Some days I feel, woohoo, God is so good. Yeah, I love you, man. And I just want to sing and praise and dance around other days. I don't feel that way, but I do it because I know I will have a problem if I don't. I, I will get drugged right down to those worldly places I used to live. So I want to encourage you to... Um, be more vocal. Yes, that's the praise part. Worship is an attitude. Praise is the vocalizing of that attitude. But I also want us to, like Paul said, pray without ceasing. Keep him always in front of us on our minds. Thank you, Lord. Apart from you, I can do nothing. I want to walk in that humility so I can experience your glory. And as we get closer to Christmas, um, even more so against the stresses and the pressures and expectations of everybody around us, so I want to end with a question. Um, who have you given permission to identify you to? To whom have you given permission to identify you, to set your standard of your behavior or their expectations? Is there anybody that you've given a little bit too much influence outside of God where you recognize, you know, I'm, 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 that's, not, that's not the real me. That's... That's not, the, that's not the me Jesus wants me to be. I'm just doing it because so-and-so thinks I should or won't like me if I don't. Who, to whom have you given permission to identify you? If there's anybody on that list besides Jesus, we need to pray. 
Because if it's me, bad reference point. If it's somebody I highly respect and love and admire, bad reference point. It's not going to hurt to want to be more like someone you admire, one who's really far along in the Lord. That's not going to hurt you. But if they become your central measuring stick instead of Jesus, we're in trouble. So I want us to kind of end this little series around Thanksgiving um, on this note. Jesus came to reconcile us to the real God. We can trust the real God to carve out a path for us, to write his name on our foreheads or on our palms, identify us, give us direction. We can be at great, total, absolute peace about the direction he calls us to. We can have confidence. And the more confident we become in him, the more confident we'll be able to walk in here on earth. It's not his kind of self-confidence. That's a tricky term because you don't want to go all about self. But there is a God confidence that shows itself in how we live here on earth. We're, we're not afraid. We're just secure because we're trusting him. We've heard his voice. We know who we are because he labeled us, not ourselves. The reason Christmas is important is because uh, that reconciliation began the day Jesus was born. The reconciliation work of Christ was finished on the day he died and rose from the dead. God went to great lengths to be the center of our universe again. Let's not make him any less. Amen? Father, thank you so much for, um, again, just the sobering truth, but the liberating truth of your word that we can. We can actually experience your love and your grace, and we can actually become the men and women you've called us to be, you've designed us to be. Lord, help us to recognize that when we start making our own way, determining our own path, leaving you out of the equation, not consulting you. Just nudge us, Lord God. Call us to attention the minute that starts happening and, and remind us, Lord, to humble ourselves and say, you alone are worthy of my praise. You alone are worthy of giving my life to you. You are my God, my creator, my all in all, my everything. Let us become worshipers in spirit and in truth. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, praise God. I give glory to God. I just give glory to God because he's the one who rescues us. He's the one who will continue to keep us safe and keep us on track. So let's try to stay on track for another week, okay? God bless you.